Welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast, helping engineers, producers, and artists create professional recordings and mixes, even from home. I'm your host, Mike and Davina. Let's get started. Hey guys, it's Mike and Davina, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast and joining me today. Today's episode is a little bit of a different one. Rather than interview another engineer or take some audience questions, I wanted to share a couple of little quick tips today. Uh, I thought that I always share a lot of information on my mailing list, but I don't really do it too much on the podcast and give you tutorials and all that kind of stuff. So I'm trying out something here. Well, let's see if it works and if you guys like this. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, make sure to let me know. Send me an email after this podcast and send it to info at masteryourmix.com. Let me know what you think of this, this style of episode. But basically what I want to talk about today is the concept of having a workflow. A workflow is one of the most important things that you can add to your mixes or add to your mixing process in order to make everything run a lot smoother. So whether you're a musician and you're trying to record your own music and release more content, or you're an engineer who is trying to record more bands and build up your clientele, really what it comes down to is being able to do it efficiently. And one of the biggest complaints I hear a lot of people say is that mixing takes too long or that they find themselves constantly second guessing their work. You know, they, they just feel really lost when it comes to their mix. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to analyze their tracks. They don't know when to finish their mixes and everything just seems a little bit random. You know, you're just kind of looking for problems in your mixes. And that is actually a major problem when it comes to mixing is that too many people look at their mix and they just search for problems. They're hunting for problems. And the problem with that is that it causes you to second guess yourself. If you're constantly trying to find something wrong, you're going to fool yourself into thinking there's something wrong. And you're going to constantly be working at trying to make things sound different just for the sake of sounding different. And that's not going to help you at all. You're gonna find yourself taking a lot longer to finish your mixes. You're probably gonna undo a lot of really great work. And you're just not gonna feel confident all the way through. So in this episode, I wanna talk about getting a solid workflow down because it really is a major part of the puzzle. And if you're trying to release more music for yourself and get it out to the masses and win over new fans and get those tours and labels and shows, you need to be able to work fast and you need to get content out on a regular basis. And you can't just be sitting on mixes. And likewise, if you're an engineer who's trying to work with clients and impress clients, you can't be taking too long to get the clients their files because they're going to start to feel like you're not confident in your work. They're going to start to get annoyed because they want to release their music as fast as possible as well. So really getting a solid workflow down is an important part to working faster and producing better results. So what do I mean by workflow? Well, simply what I'm referring to is having a process that you repeat in every single mix and you don't stray from that process. It's a checklist of doing the exact same things, covering the exact same points in every single mix in a specific order. Now, the reason for this is because it's going to help you keep much more organized. It's going to help you keep focused. And by having some sort of way of keeping track of your progress throughout a mix, you're gonna know when you've gone through all the important steps and when you're done your mix. 
So I'm going to share with you the six steps that I use in every single mix that I work on. And you can apply the same workflow to your own mixes if you want, or you can apply your own. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what workflow you have as long as you're consistent. So you might want to change the order of some of these things, but that's fine. As long as you can identify that you've laid out a certain group of steps and you do that consistently in every mix. So the six steps that I follow in every single mix are as follows. Step one is organization. Step two is when I do all of my routing. Step three is when I get a rough balance for the mix. Step four is where I do all of the heavy lifting. That's where I process all of the tracks with EQ, compression, and whatever else is necessary. Step five is when I add effects. And then lastly, step six is automation. So let me just go quickly into each of these six steps and give you a little bit more detail about what they entail. So my first step is organization. And in this step, that's basically where I just get rid of any boring mechanical tasks that are gonna serve as distractions later on. So things like naming tracks or color coding regions, getting rid of tracks that I'm not even using in the mix, um, creating groups and markers, all of that kind of stuff. I try to get rid of that all at the beginning so that once I actually start moving faders and adding EQ and compression and all, all that stuff, I don't have to stop what I'm doing to name a track or, or move something around. Instead, I want to be able to find tracks quickly. I want to be able to know that I'm not just skimming through tracks that aren't even useful in my mix. I've just eliminated all of those things. I want to be able to find the verse and chorus really quickly. And I want to just have everything laid out so that I don't need to stop mixing to start organizing. There's nothing worse for your focus than having to stop what you're doing to just focus on something else. You wanna focus on creating a great sounding mix and that's going to happen by concentrating on the music and not the organization side of things. So get rid of those tasks right away. Step two is the routing stage. And in this stage, all I do is simply just tell my audio where I want it to go. So the way I like my sessions to be set up is I like to have all of the individual instruments go to a group bus. So all of my individual drum tracks will go to a drum bus. And then all of the group buses then go to my master bus. And the reason I like to set up my sessions this way is so that I can process my tracks on both an individual level or I can set it up as a group. So if I want to adjust something for all of the drums, I can just use one fader or add processing to the entire drum bus. And then I like to be able to process everything as a mix, as a whole. So that's where my mix bus comes in handy and that's where I can make adjustments to the entire mix. So it's a really important part of the puzzle because you want to make sure that you know where all of your audio signal is going to and you want to give yourself the flexibility so that you can work faster. So for me, I find that by routing my sessions that way and doing it in every single mix, I give myself a lot of different points where I can save time. So, you know, rather than adjust 10 different faders and bring them all down for all of the drums, Instead, I could just do it on one fader. And that just speeds everything up because you don't have to do a lot of monotonous, repetitive things. Instead, just play with one fader and it's just gonna get the job done much faster. So moving on to step three of my mixing workflow, that is the rough balance stage. And honestly, this is the first part of my mixing process where I actually listen to the song. You know, in the organization stage, I might just quickly hit play to see if a certain track is a guitar track or if it's a, if it's playing a verse role or a chorus role and I'll organize my sessions based on that. But in the rough balance stage, all I'm really doing here is just trying to 
quickly get a sense of what's happening in the mix. And the easiest way to do that is to just throw up your faders really quickly and just get a rough balance of all of the individual levels. I'm not doing any heavy lifting here. I'm not doing any EQ or compression. I'm just trying to get things to sound good in relation to each other. I don't want my drums to be stupid loud in comparison to the guitar or the vocal be either too loud or too quiet. You know, I just want to get everything at a level that sounds comfortable so that once I do start adding processing like EQ and compression, that I'm doing it in relation to everything else in the mix. I don't want to be listening to instruments in isolation. I always want to be focused on the mix as a whole and how things interact with each other. So by setting levels early on to a comfortable level, that just sets the tone for the rest of the mix. And then once you've got that rough balance up, the next part of that rough balance stage is creating a mental checklist of the things that you're hearing and the things that you need to do in the rest of the mix. This just allows you to keep much more focused as you move on to the next stages so that you can just check these things off the list and know that you're doing what's important to the mix. And you're, you're no longer having to stop what you're doing to adjust faders or name tracks or any of that other stuff that we've already done. We're moving on. So step four of my workflow is the processing stage. And this is definitely the heavy lifting of the mix. So this is where you're gonna be using things like EQ and compression, and you're gonna be trying to create more clarity, separation, and width between all of the different instruments. And you want them to interact and, and really start to sound really big and huge and work together really well. So I'm not gonna go into specific detail about what to do with individual tracks, because honestly, that is a humongous discussion that could take hours. And uh, in fact, I've actually written a, an entire new book that's going to be coming out soon. It's called The Mixing Mindset. It's going to be coming out in January of 2019. And I'm super excited for this book because honestly, like it's it's a lot of pages about how to analyze your tracks and then how to use tools like EQ and compression and effects and all that stuff and get that clarity and width. So uh, that is something that I'm going to save for the book because it's just way too long to get into in this podcast. But one of the important things about the processing stage that you want to keep in mind is that you always want to work in a similar order. So for me personally, I always start on my drums first, and then I move on to my bass, guitar, and then vocals. And since you already have an idea of what you want your mix to sound like, and you've thought about it in the rough balance stage, it allows you to work in a specific order and to keep that end goal in mind. So, you know, I'll always start with my drums to get them sounding as punchy as I want them or as big as I want them. And then I'll focus on the low end. So I'll move over to the bass and I'll focus on getting the bass to cut through in the mix the way I hear it, the way I want it to sound. I'll get the low end feeling tight. Nothing's really jumping out. And then I'll move on to the guitars. Then I'll also work on the low end of the guitar and how it interacts with the bass guitar. And I'll get that sounding really tight. Then I'll focus on like the crispiness of the guitar. Am I hearing the guitars really cut through? Do they sound like a big wall of sound? And are they giving me that heavy rock mix that I want? And then after I figured that out, I then work on my vocals and I try to get those sitting on top of the mix in a way that feels comfortable and that the vocals sound in your face, but they have that intimacy at the same time. And that I'm really getting the emotion of the vocal out. And one thing that I should mention about this processing stage is that I work on the instruments dry. I don't add reverb and delay and all that kind of stuff at this stage because I want to hear how all of the tracks interact with each other as is. I want to make sure that I don't have frequencies that are masking each other. I want to make sure that I've got that clarity and separation happening at the most basic level so that when I add effects in the next stage, I can identify if something is sounding muddy because of the effects that I'm adding or if it's in my actual recordings. 
So then this naturally lends itself to the next step of my mixing workflow, which is the special effects stage. So this is where I'm obviously gonna add things like reverb, delay, modulation effects like chorus, flanger, whatever else I need to have in there. And I actually just realized something. I just said I obviously add reverb and delay and all that kind of stuff. And that's a total lie. I actually don't always add effects to my mixes. This is the biggest thing I want you to take away from this stage of the mixing workflow. So many people just add effects by default. So many people just slap reverb on a vocal because they think it instantly makes things sound better. But often when you do that, it can make a mix sound cloudy. So don't just default to effects because you think they sound cool or that you think that all vocals have reverb on them. That's the furthest thing from the truth. If you actually listen to most of the things on the radio right now, you're gonna hear a lot of dry vocals. You might hear some delay here and there, but a lot of times the vocals are very dry and in front, and that gives you the intimacy of the lyrics. So the biggest thing I want you to take away from this section here is I want you to think about effects before you add them. Are they really necessary? Does your mix sound really good the way it is? Would it benefit from having effects? Or is it actually gonna start to make your mix sound more cluttered or will it make things sound muddy? So choose your effects wisely and make sure that when you add them, they're not taking away from the meaning of the song. They're not getting in the way of the message behind the lyrics because the biggest thing you wanna create when it comes to mixing is you wanna create an emotional attachment to the song. And if the listener is distracted by all sorts of weird effects that just seem out of place, then they're not gonna feel that connection. So make sure that you're doing it to serve the purpose of the song. And this takes me to the final stage of my mixing workflow, which is the automation stage. And if you're not familiar with automation, it's basically when you program changes to happen inside of the mix with things like volume, panning, plugins, sends, all sorts of stuff. And there are two main purposes for using automation. The first is to use it in order to help create clarity and pockets within the mix for the key instruments to be showcased. So think of a guitar solo. In that section, you want the lead guitar to be nice and loud, nice and clear, but you want the other instruments to be a little further in the background, right? So you wanna bring down your rhythm guitar tracks a little bit, or maybe you need to duck the vocals out of the way, or maybe turn down some of the drums to get a little bit more clarity. So. With automation, you can write those moves in so that once that guitar solo section comes in, those rhythm guitars come down a few dB and the lead guitar comes up and then you get that clarity. Another good example of when you would use automation for this kind of thing would be on vocals. So again, with vocals, you want to make sure that the listener can hear every single word because that is what the listeners are going to create an emotional attachment to the song based on. So. With that being said, you need to make sure that every single word is heard nice and clearly. So what I usually do when in my mixes is I will go through every single line of the vocals and make sure that I can hear every word because sometimes singers will sing certain words loud and then they'll back off on other words or just they attack certain words a little harder than others. So you want to make sure that you have the most even performance so that the listeners don't struggle to hear the lyrics or the message of the song. Now, the second reason why you'd want to use automation is to add a little bit of life and excitement to your mix. So if you have a mix that doesn't change volumes at all, all the instruments stay the exact same, and nothing really feels like it gets bigger, the mix is going to sound really boring. 
But instead, with automation, you can use it to create some extra excitement into your mix by simply moving the volumes of certain instruments up and down throughout the mix. So say, for example, the chorus of a song. The chorus is typically the most exciting portion of the song, and that's when usually you get the most energy, and it's typically the most uplifting portion of the song. So if you want to emphasize that extra energy, all you need to do is just simply bring up the volume of the instruments in your mix or even do it on the master fader. So sometimes I'll just boost my master fader up about a dB or so, and that'll just create a little bit of a change in the song. It can startle the listener a little bit in a good way and hit a little bit harder. So it's a great way to just add a little bit of extra energy and movement within your track just to change it up a little bit. Now, I'm not saying just go randomly adjusting the volumes of different instruments, but think about it strategically. Think about what sections in the song could use a little bit of an extra lift or which instruments could be highlighted a little bit harder. So maybe there's a cool guitar effect that you want to bring out in the back of the mix. Well, then bring that up for that one spot. But don't keep it super loud throughout the whole song where you're going to start to lose that effect, right? So be a little more strategic with automation. But by doing this, you're going to add a lot of character and movement and energy into your mix. And this is really one of the big details that separates the amateur mixers from the pros because pros use automation. And this makes sure that their mixes are exciting. And that's what this is all about, right? You want your mix to be exciting and you want it to highlight the important elements of the song and you want the listener to create that emotional attachment to the song. So take advantage of automation and use it strategically to help you and to add a lot more energy and excitement to your mixes. So after you've added automation, you're at a point where you've completed all six of the steps in my mixing workflow. So we've organized our session, we've done all the routing, we've got our rough balance, We've processed the tracks to get clarity and separation in them. We've added some special effects, and then we've used automation to add some extra energy. Now, at this point, everything should be sounding really, really good, and you shouldn't need to do anything more because you've done all of the important steps and you've been ensuring that your mix sounds great along the way. Now, at this point, you may just want to take a step back and just take that thousand foot view of your song and listen to the song one more time as a fan and just see if anything is jumping out at you. Usually if something's jumping out at you at this point, it could just be a leveling thing. So you might have to make some small adjustments with the levels, but at this point your mix should be done and you can call it a day. Do not start going back into your mix and reprocessing all of your tracks because this is usually where a lot of people make the mistake of they, they go back into their mix, they start reprocessing everything, they start re-EQing everything, and they just totally mess with the overall balance of all of the tracks. And now all the tracks just need to be shaped differently, and it's just they're just undoing all of their work. So don't do that. Instead, at this point, just hit the bounce button or print it in your session and send it off to your client and see what they think. And that will give you much more indication of whether or not you need to go back into the mix to make any other changes. But by now, you should have an amazing sounding mix that you're happy with, and I would not go back into reprocessing it because it's just going to really mess with your head. So, guys, this is really important. Have a workflow that you use in every single mix. By doing this, it's going to make your mixes much, much more organized. You're going to work much faster, and you're going to feel more confident along the way knowing that you're taking the right steps, and you're not going to feel scatterbrained by feeling like you need to do a million things at once. 
Just break it down into small chunks and follow them in a specific order, and this will help you get your mix done much easier. Now, I know I mentioned it a little bit earlier in this episode, but I have a brand new book coming out in the third week of January of 2019, and it is called The Mixing Mindset, the step-by-step formula for creating professional rock mixes from your home studio. And inside of this book, we go into much more detail about the importance of a workflow, and I walk you through the entire process in depth, and we go from beginning to end on how to set up your sessions, how to analyze the tracks once you've got them in your session, I'm going to walk you through the different scenarios you might find yourself in. We're going to talk about what to do with EQ and compression and effects and what frequency ranges you need to pay attention to, what kind of sound characteristics you should be listening out for. And I walk you through the entire process so that you can simply just follow along with this book and go from beginning to end and use it alongside your mixes and create some amazing, clear, polished, professional sounding mixes that you're really proud of. That's my main goal with this book is that I want to help more engineers and I want to help out more musicians that are recording themselves to create mixes that they're absolutely happy to release to the world and they feel confident in. I want people to use this book to help improve their skills so that if you want to run a recording studio and you want to get clients and you want to make a living off of music, you can have the skills to get those really clear mixes that you're absolutely proud of and that help separate you from the other amateur mixers in your neighborhood. I want you to become an in-demand engineer that bands seek out and that want to pay you for your work because you've got the skills that they want. So this book is going to help you with that. And if you're an artist who records themselves and you're just looking to put out more music frequently and you're looking to create mixes that are polished and professional sounding so that you can get shows or record deals or or just really promote your band and grow your fan base and get bigger and just release more music that you could sell and, and get it out in the world. You need to have mixes that sound really pro and polished, and this book is going to walk you through how to do that. So once again, it is called The Mixing Mindset, the step-by-step formula for creating professional rock mixes from your home studio, and it's going to be available as of the third week of January 2019. It's going to be available on Amazon in Kindle format and as a paperback book. It'll also be available on the MasterYourMix.com website, so make sure to check it out. Once again, it'll be released in the third week of January 2019. So that's it for today's episode, guys. I know it's a little bit different than normal. Instead of interviewing somebody, I just thought I would share some tips with you to help you with your own mixing and to help improve the process and make it a little bit easier for you. So I'm curious to know what you thought of this episode. I'm curious to know if you would like to hear more like this and more quick tips. If you would, shoot me an email. My email address is info at masteryourmix.com. And even if you hate this style of episode, send me an email as well. I always like getting that kind of feedback too. It's always good to know what people like and what they don't like because I just want to make sure that you're getting the most value out of this podcast and that you can find the tips in here that are going to help you with your mixes. Or maybe you're just looking to hear some cool stories from other engineers. Hey, that's cool too. So just shoot me an email. Let me know what you think of this episode. And that's it for today, guys. We'll talk soon. Take care. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at masteryourmix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit masteryourmix.com. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast.